0: Our Gospel lesson this morning comes from Mark's Gospel, the fourth chapter, beginning with the 35th verse. This comes at the end of a day of teaching for Jesus. The the entire chapter, the fourth chapter of Mark, is just filled with words as Jesus is teaching parables and sharing about the kingdom of God. And then now, as night falls, the day of words is over. And the disciples and Jesus will make a trip across the lake. Listen now to God's word. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. May God bless the reading and the hearing of this portion of his holy word. Let us pray. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, the other side of the lake, uh, the foreign side. Let's go there. And so they did. It was a nighttime trip across the Sea of Galilee. Often those trips are uneventful, but occasionally quick storms develop, and so it happened this night. They put Jesus in the boat just as he was, whatever that means, and they set off for the other shore. A swall came up. The waves broke over the boat. It was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. It was completely calm. Jesus said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, as terrified of the calm, it seemed, as they had been of the storm. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey his voice. The disciples were afraid throughout this story. The storm came up and they were fearful of their own safety, their own lives. But then at the end, they have a, even a stronger fear, a fear of the Lord as they have felt the power of Jesus to calm the seas. As we grow in faith, we understand also that fearful things can be very real, but they do not have the last word. Reigning over this world of fearsomeness is a God who is mightier than all our fears. The opposite of faith the scriptures seem to teach us, The opposite of faith is not doubt. Doubt is just sort of wrestling with your faith. It's really part of faith. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. You and I need to trust and we need to fear less. Someone has said that do not be afraid is the first and last word of the gospel, it's the message of the angels to the frightened shepherds at Christmas, and it's the message of the angels to the women at the empty tomb. From the very beginning to the very end, the gospel is do not be afraid. And here on this stormy sea, it's the same message do not be afraid. Early in my ministry, God sent me a mentor, a very dear friend a Methodist minister across the highway named Reverend Jerry Watson. God had called me into the Black River Swamp of South Carolina, which itself was a very fearful place. And I was at my first church trying to figure out how to do this ministry thing, and every now and then things in the church would scare me. And I would pick up the phone and I would call the Reverend Jerry Watson and Jerry was just a voice of comfort and stability and experience for me, and he would calm my fears. I was glad to have Jerry Watson with me on that early assignment. Jerry tells the story about how important fear is to him, that we we not let fear take hold of our lives. He said, one afternoon in the community, an old codger who lived by himself in a shack kind of on the edge of the woods, was sitting on his front porch and he was drinking and he was shooting his firearm. The more he drank, the more he fired his gun. He was shooting at everything that was moving or he thought was moving and the neighbors got restless. And so what you do is you call the Methodist (laughs) parsonage. And Jerry Watson said, I'm coming. And I think it was very close to Jerry's house. I think he walked. I think he came out of the parsonage and down the road and up the country lane to the edge of the woods. And there was Joe shooting his gun in the air. And Jerry Watson walked right up the front steps of the house, over onto the porch, put his hand on the firearm, and took it from drunk Joe. And then he came back down off the porch and handed it to his neighbor and said, give this back to him only when he has sobered up. And they said to Jerry Watson, the Methodist minister, weren't you afraid? And Jerry Watson looked at them and said, that really wasn't an option. I was going to be alive, I was going to be injured, or I was going to be dead, but I was not going to be afraid. He trusts in his God. He doesn't let fear Come in. It has been my pleasure in recent years, after I'd finished with the Black River Swamp, to teach the Bible over here at Savannah Presbytery School of the, of the Laity. Every March I teach an intensive course. The only reason I keep doing it is I get to do my very favorite Bible study. I teach a course on the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke seem to say the Jesus story, write the Jesus story in a very similar perspective from one view, synoptic. And the reason they do is that Matthew and Luke, when they are writing their gospel, they have Mark open in front of them. They are using Mark as a guide to write their gospel. And it's fascinating to see what they change and what they let stand in Mark's Gospel. If you did that comparison study on this story, you would see something interesting. Matthew and Luke are following Mark, telling this story pretty closely. They get in the boat in all three stories. A storm arises, Jesus is asleep, the disciples sense danger, they wake up Jesus. But then when you get to the part of Jesus, of the disciples speaking to Jesus, Matthew and Luke both change the words that Mark provides them. Mark, Matthew and Luke find the words of the disciples to Jesus in this storm unacceptable. In Mark, the disciples ask a question, Teacher, do you care if we drown? Evidently, Matthew and Luke think it is not appropriate to accuse Jesus of not caring about the disciples. In their gospels, they just have the disciples speak a statement about the dire situation. They look and say, Master, we are perishing. They report, but they do not question. It is the very heart of the gospel that Jesus cares deeply for us. Mark dares to let the disciples question the love of Jesus, and Matthew and Luke change it as though to say, you can question a lot of things, but do not question that Jesus loves you. We will look back on the summer of 2018 as a very good summer in the life of St. Simon's Presbyterian Church. You will feel good about a lot of it. I hope you will feel good about the amazing job you have done retiring Bob Brearley. I never thought retirement could be such a loving and joyful thing because of you. And you'll also notice that you did a splendid job of welcoming the Reverend Annie Franklin Arvin to be your talented and faithful associate pastor with Alan Dyer. I really enjoyed listening to Annie's faith story. Both of us spent time with the Presbyterian Campus Ministry of the University of South Carolina trying to figure out whether we were called to be ministers. And both of us decided that we were. And both of us packed our bags and moved to Richmond, Virginia to attend Union Theological Seminary and then eventually both of us receive calls to St. Simon's Presbyterian Church. It feels like a Holy Spirit thing to me. I don't know who spoke at Annie's graduation from seminary last month, but I do remember who spoke at my graduation in 1979. A man named Frederick Beekner was the speaker for my graduation. Later, Fred would write some words as sort of his understanding of the grace of God, and they have shaped my ministry. Very special words and a commentary on our text this morning. Beekner writes, the grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might never have been, but you are, because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you I created the universe. I love you, says God. Mark dares to have the disciples ask a question if Jesus cares for them. And the answer, of course, is yes. Another interpretive key to our text and to this passage is the repetition in the original language of an adjective meaning great. It appears three times in our text. It's hidden by the time the text is translated into English, but it is clear in the Greek. This story moves from a great storm to a great calm to the great awe. Of the disciples, all pointing to an unspoken truth that a great Jesus is with them in the boat, to rescue them from peril, to sustain them in the journey no matter what comes next. The willing but fearful disciples survived the perils of the great storm, experienced that great calm when Jesus tells the wind and the waves to be still. And they are filled with great awe when their teacher speaks and the turbulent, threatening chaos subsides. That great awe is different from that initial fear. It is now an expression of trust in God. You get the feeling that from this experience of the great Jesus in a dark and turbulent sea, that the disciples will be changed forever They will never be the same again. They've heard all the words of gospel, but now they have felt the saving power of God Almighty in Jesus Christ. This story is about a great storm and a great calm and a great awe that comes from trusting your maker. The saints of the church are the ones who live out that story among us This church has many saints. It has been powerful for me to watch the faith of our members in life and even in death. One story that I have told probably too many times, but I have this fear that it will be forgotten. So we need to remember it. The Reverend Sally Laurie was a dear friend. She was an assertive woman who stood for justice for all people especially the poor and the hungry. She served us as an associate pastor until her death in 2007. She weathered the storm, the fearful storm of cancer. She found a great calm in God's presence, and she died as she lived in awe of the tremendous love of Jesus Christ for all people. During her final days, as she lied d- dying in a bed in Magnolia Manor, she ordered and purchased a beautiful stone cross for our memorial garden. And she and her son Mark read through the Presbyterian funeral service together to pick out scriptures for the base of the cross. Sally and Mark picked out, come to me, all you that are weary, and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And she picked out for the other side, the eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. She picked scriptures that had come true in her life. She had felt the power of a loving God in life and in death. The church has always identified with this passage from Mark's gospel. A boat filled with disciples on a tossing sea became an early Christian symbol of the church universal. During the dark days at the end of World War II, the World Council of Churches adopted as its seal a storm-tossed boat with a cross as its mast. Fears and threats need not paralyze the church of Jesus Christ because we are not in the boat alone. The God who raised Jesus from the dead is present with us in all of his power and in all of his love. If those frightened and fearful and believing disciples had written a gospel song to tell of their experience with Jesus on the sea, they may well have written, what have I to dread? What have I to fear? I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms." That's what they learned that night. And if I were to write a gospel song, thinking about 20 years as your pastor, I might have written, what a fellowship. What a joy divine. What a blessedness. What a peace is mine. Leaning on Jesus. Leaning on Jesus. Leaning on the everlasting arms with you. Thank you for all you have done for me. God bless you and keep you. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love that is the firm bottom underneath. We thank you that though the fears are sometimes very real, they are not stronger than your love. We thank you for the opportunity to sail together as the church. And we thank you we're not in the boat alone. Be with St. Simon's Presbyterian Church as it launches on new ventures and new missions in the world may it always know to trust the God who is powerful love for us. We thank you for life together. In the name of Jesus, amen.